Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Hebrews chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago, Amanda and I celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary. Made me think back to uh, when we dated. We dated four years before. It took me four years to talk her into marrying me. Um, but about a year into our dating time, I was, we were talking together one day, and there's something that for most of my life I've been having to work on, and that is uh, when I'm in a conversation with somebody... I'm a, in my mind, I am a multitasker. That's not a great thing. And so what that means is, if I'm talking with you, and I'm looking at you, you have no idea if I'm paying any attention whatsoever to what you're saying. That's not a good thing. I've been working on that, though. I've been working on it, really, for almost 50 years. And I'm over 51, about to be 52. I didn't realize I did it until I was one. So about one year old, I started working on it. Um, but sometimes, sometimes even when I'm, you're, I'm talking to you, I can be listening to you and I might look at something else in the room, but I'm still listening to you. But you, if you're in the conversation with me, you're thinking, he's not paying attention to me. He's not listening to me. And so one day, about a year into our courtship, our dating time, Amanda and I were talking and, and as she was talking to me, I was evidently looking around and I would kind of catch a glimpse with her every now and then, and I'd be looking around. And finally, she grabbed me by the shirt, and she said, Are you hearing me? I said, What? Are you hearing me? And uh, that was her Frogtown way, and that's where she grew up, Frogtown. Well, Ducktown. It's just outside the suburbs of Frogtown. And yes, they are real places. What she was trying to say to me is, are you paying attention to what I'm saying? Are you paying attention to me? Uh, very important to all of us when we're talking with someone that, that that person is paying attention to what we're saying and paying attention to us. The writer of Hebrews is writing to some Jewish Christians who are on the verge of drifting away from the Christian faith, the simple Christian faith. And, and by drifting away from the simple Christian faith, they're also in jeopardy of drifting away from everything that has been God's best for them throughout their lives. And he's heartsick over this potential drift of these people. And so he is writing this, this uh, letter, uh, which is really a sermon, an, uh, an essay of types, He's writing this letter for the purpose of saying, hold fast to God's best. Hold fast to this simple Christian faith and everything that revolves around that Christian faith that makes up all of God's best for you. All that God has given you that is God's best for you. And so this summer we're going through Hebrews, a series entitled White Knuckled Faith. Your knuckles get white whenever you're holding on to something tight. And the writer of Hebrews says, I want you to hold on tight to God's 
best. He has spent the better part of chapter 1 saying Jesus is better than the prophets and Jesus is better than the angels. Superior to both. And now he stops in mid-conversation, in the middle of this conversation about Jesus being better and greater than angels, he stops in mid-conversation to give the first of five dire warnings to these people. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The writer of Hebrews says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. We live in a culture where people, by large numbers, are drifting away from the Christian faith. And even larger numbers are drifting away from what is God's best within the framework of simple Christian faith. And so what the writer of Hebrews says to his readers back sometime during the first century is so applicable to us today because there is always this temptation that we face uh, to different extents throughout, of our, throughout our lives, but there is this, this temptation to drift away from God and drift away from Christ and drift away from everything that is God's best for us. Now, uh, so far in this letter to Hebrews, there are a few things that I want to remind you of that we have, uh, we have uh, examined uh, just going through uh, chapter 1. We've been three different sermons. We've gone through chapter 1, and there are a few things that I want to remind you of. First of all, the writer has told us basically that Christianity is a simple faith. It is a simple faith. Christian faith is a simple faith. It, it starts with a realization that we are sinners and that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves to fix what's wrong. We need outside help for our inside problem. And that outside help, we now know, comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross in our place. He rose from the dead to give us life. Everything about Jesus, His life, death, resurrection, and His person was enough to resolve our sin problem. It doesn't mean that once we receive Christ as Savior, we'll never sin, but we have a new power over sin, and the penalty of sin has absolutely no power over us once we have received Christ as Savior. So Christian faith is that simple. It's, it's a simple faith. But the next thing we learned was that, that our natural tendency is to drift away from simple Christian faith. Uh, our natural tendency is to drift away from what is God's best for us. That's the natural tendency of every person seated in this sanctuary today. No matter where you might think you may be in your Christian life, your natural tendency and my natural tendency is to drift away from Christ, drift away from the will of Christ, drift away from God's best that comes through 
Christ. Now, another thing that we learned as we studied chapter 1 is that anything we add to simple Christian faith invalidates it. Because the Christian faith, if you want a mathematical formula for Christian salvation, it goes like this. Grace, which is God's free gift of salvation, grace plus nothing equals salvation. It's it's that simple. And so the moment that we take that that middle uh, 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 figure, which is nothing, and we replace it with anything, I'm talking about something good. The moment we do that, we invalidate it because grace plus nothing equals Christian salvation. If we say grace plus being a good person, that invalidates it. If we say grace plus never missing a Sunday at church, even though I don't want you to miss a Sunday at church, that would still invalidate simple Christian faith. Anything we add to it invalidates it. Now, people, uh, while it is our tendency to drift away from faith... We've also noticed uh, why some people do drift away from faith and away from what is God's best. Some people drift away because they're disappointed. Either they're disappointed in God. Well, you thought God was going to do something a certain way. He didn't do it that way. You were certain that the way you hoped he would do it was indeed his will, his holy and righteous will. He did not work things out that way. And so now you're disappointed with God. We're disappointed with God. And that can cause some people to drift away. Some people are disappointed uh, by other people in church. Somebody has offended us or someone has said something that we didn't appreciate or we heard that they've done something that really hurt us. And so as a result of that disappointment in that person or group of persons, we drift away from God and we drift away from Christ and we drift away from what is best. Some people drift because of disappointment. Some people drift away because Christianity is just too hard. I mean, receiving Christ is easy, but living the Christian life is the hardest thing you and I will ever do in our lives. And some people, because of that, say, you know, this is absolutely impossible, which is true. It's impossible without God's grace and power. It's impossible. Therefore, it's too hard. I'm giving up on it for something that's easier. And a lot of people are doing that. Some people drift away because, not because it's too hard, but they find Christianity too easy to be true, too simple to be true. How can you get something that valuable for nothing? I don't believe it. You get what you pay for. You, if you're going to get something in life, you have to work for it, they say. And so they don't accept this idea that Christianity is simple grace, simple Christian faith. And so it's too uh, simple for them to believe and therefore they abandon it for something that they see as uh, a little more uh, high calorie, I guess. Some people drift away uh, even when they don't even realize they are drifting away. They think they're on fire for God, but what they've really done was taken true, simple Christianity and they've replaced it with what they think is a more high-powered version of Christianity. For some people, that version of Christianity that they have replaced simple Christianity with is a political Christianity. If you don't vote the way I do, then you're not quite the Christian I am. Maybe you're not even a Christian if you don't vote the way I do. And we, we can't seem to get the idea that Jesus was born neither in a red state nor a blue state, nor does he wear the tag of any political party. No matter what we may think or we may have heard on certain media outlets, Political Christianity is not simple 
Christian faith. Some people uh, replace simple Christianity with a Christianity that majors on the minors. I think this may have been part of the problem with the Hebrews. They had taken a non-essential issue like angels and had put it front and center and had made it, perhaps had made it, an essential part of the Christian faith. You have to believe such and such about angels in order to truly be saved, or you have to believe such and such about angels in order to be a strong Christian. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, angels and doctrines like angels, they're out here on the periphery. They're on the edge. What is essential? What is essential to have Christian faith? Is it essential that you know that you're a sinner? I think it is. Is it essential that you believe Jesus lived a sinless life and died on the cross for your sins? The Bible says it is. Is it essential that you believe he rose from the dead? The Bible says it is. Uh, Is it essential that uh, you have to uh, 24-7 be a good person? No. Is it essential that uh, you have to never miss church? As good as not missing church would be, that's not one of the essentials. Be very careful about taking a non-essential issue, even an important non-essential issue, and making it essential. Because the moment that we do that, we have erased simple Christian faith. Some people have drifted away from Christianity because they have uh, replaced simple Christian faith with a Christian faith that is uh, based upon some personality. A Charles Stanley, as good as he is, or a Joel Osteen, or a T.D. Jakes, or a Joyce Meyer, and everything that that either one of those persons, maybe all those persons say, you take it with absolute literalism. And if we're not careful, I'm not saying don't listen to any of those, but I'm saying if we're not careful, we can make that personality the basis of our Christianity, rather than simple Christian faith. And so all of that we've seen so far, and now we get to chapter 2, and we find the first of five very serious, in-your-face warnings. And the warning that he gives us today is this. He's saying to them, he's saying, are you hearing me? Are you paying attention? Because he says in... uh, chapter 2, verse number 1, he says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. Why? So that we do not drift away. The term, the Greek word that is uh, translated drift away is a shipman's term, a nautical term. And it it, uh, applied to a ship that was at harbor that didn't have anybody on the ship, and the ship, because it wasn't anchored, started drifting away. The Greek word can be uh, translated one of two ways, drift away or let slip. If you're reading a King James Version, it says we need to pay more careful attention lest we let it slip. And it's the picture of, of a, a knot, in a, a, a rope tied in a knot at the dock, but the knot is not tight enough and it slips away. Or you can translate it as a ship that has drifted away. Either way, the writer of Hebrews is using it to describe people who drift away from Christian faith, who drift away from the church, who drift away from that which they know is God's best for their lives. Now, there are three things I want to say from these four verses that I think are very important today. First of all, I want you to notice this. Drifting can happen to anyone. Drifting can happen to anyone. 
I don't care if you're Billy Graham. Billy Graham, if he's not careful, can drift away from what is best for Billy Graham's life. It's not a matter of if I drift away, it means that I wasn't some superhero Christian or super faith Christian or Hall of Fame Christian. That's not it at all. The very best of us is, uh, is vulnerable, susceptible to drifting away. Now, the writer of Hebrews knew this. Now, how do you know that he knew this? I want to go back to these verses, and I want you to notice the pronouns he uses. And I want you to contrast the pronouns he uses with the pronouns he could have used. Here's what he says. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation This salvation, which was first announced to the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You see, all of those pronouns are plural, first-person pronouns. In other words, the writer includes himself in the warning. Now, he could have have justifiably said these verses this way. Back up and let's, let's read them the way that he could have said them. You must pay the most careful attention to what you have heard so that you don't drift away. For how shall you escape if you ignore so great a salvation, this this salvation which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to you by those who heard him? He could have said it that way, and he would have been on absolutely sound ground to have done so. But that's not what he did. He included himself in the warning. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Because he knew it could happen to him. Drifting can happen to anybody. It can happen to you. And it can happen to me. Second, drifting occurs when we do not pay attention. When we do not pay attention to what we've heard, when we do not pay attention to the person of Christ, when we get distracted, I don't have to tell you that one of the big problems in our world today is distractions. Uh, I don't know if you uh, follow the news, but there was, and I'm not exactly sure where this happened, but there was a car accident, a very bad car accident, and when the investigators came and they began to ask questions and they began to take measurements and they began to look inside the automobiles that were involved in this crash, what they found was that the accident was caused because somebody was eating while they were driving. And because they were eating while they were driving, they were distracted. I don't have to tell you about text messaging. I don't have to tell you about emailing. I don't have to tell you about talking on the phone, which most of us, myself included, have done and do. But we live in a very distracted world. And the more distractions there are to us, the less focused we are on what we need to be doing. If I'm driving down the road, I need to be focused on what I'm doing driving down the road. I don't need to be messing around with my phone. I don't need to be distracted. I don't need to be looking at what's, what kind of tourist attraction is over here to the left at the auction store or whatever. I need to pay attention to the road and not be distracted. Well, in our Christian life, we can drift, any of us, in the same way. We drift because we fail to pay attention attention. 
You see, distractions, that, that lack of paying attention, is even more a problem in our spiritual lives than it is when we're driving or when we're talking with someone and we're looking off in different directions and not just making eye contact with them to let them know that we're listening. Drifting occurs when we do not pay attention. And the third thing I want you to get from these verses is this. The cure to drifting lies in holding fast to a confirmed message through regular maintenance. Through regular maintenance. The other day, I was going down the road in my car, and and an alarm went off temporarily that I'd never heard before. And it scared me. And I got to looking at that alarm, and that alarm was telling me it was time for an oil change in my car. Now, I'd never had a car that would talk to me and tell me. It didn't talk to me. It had a little, little ding, 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 ding. But I'd never had a car that would tell me it was time for an oil change, that it was time for maintenance. Listen, if you want to destroy even a brand new car, just don't do any maintenance on it. Just forget it. Don't worry about the oil. Don't worry about the transmission. Don't worry about the radiator fluid. Don't worry about putting antifreeze during the winter. Don't worry about any of that stuff. God will take care of that for you. You're a good Christian. God will take care of your car. Forget that stuff, man. Don't put windshield washer stuff in your car. Just spit on it a time or two and wipe it off with your hands. Come on. Save some money. We moved into our house 10 years ago. And uh, the, the landscaper who initially uh, prepared our yard put three different types, uh, really four different types of bushes right there next to our house. There's some holly bushes that border, and then there's two, tip, two types of bushes, and I couldn't tell you what they are. Amanda could tell you what they are. All I do is trim them. I trim them. And for the first eight years that we lived in that house, I trimmed those bushes one time a year, and that's all I had to do. That's all I had to do. And, but something happened. I don't know what it was. But something happened two years ago, and ever since then, I've had to trim those things every six weeks. I had to trim them yesterday. We had company coming over last night, and I had to trim the bushes. Uh, They had straggly vines. You know, bushes can't grow uniform so that they keep their shape. They have to have a little sprig there and a sprig there and a sprig over here and three over there and all uneven so you gotta you gotta shape them up and what I have found out about those hedges those bushes is that they have to be regularly maintained I've got to maintain them I had a certain type of grass planted in my yard they call it lazy man's grass it's called centipede the reason it's called lazy man's grass is because rather than growing up it grows out I like that Because it grows out, and it grows out pretty fast, but it doesn't grow up very fast. And so you don't have to cut it quite as often. I like that, because I don't want to have to cut it twice a week. I cut mine about once every ten days. But even then, it still has to be maintained. But let me tell you something about your Christian life. 
that is similar to hedge cutting and trimming and cutting your lawn or servicing your car. You must maintain your Christian life. I'm not saying that you have to maintain it or else you're going to lose your salvation. I'm talking about you must maintain your Christian walk through prayer and Bible reading and Bible study and worship and fellowship and and contemplation and meditation. You must maintain your Christian life if you want to grow in your Christian life. So many people today, if they give their testimony, all they do is talk about, well, way back, way back yonder, I realized I was lost and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And that's as far as they go. They're still like babies in their testimony, which is, you know, that initial conversion experience, that's wonderful. But what has God done in your life since then through your continuous maintenance of your faith? Listen, any, any relationship with God, with anybody else, any relationship must have regular maintenance. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you need to pay special attention. What's he saying? You need to conduct regular maintenance to check up on your spiritual pulse. Because if you don't, you will drift away from God's best. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, with certainty that you want what is best for us. What is best for us includes our receiving you as our Savior and Lord. And Lord, I have no doubt that somebody here in this building needs to do that this morning. What is God's best, what is your best for us includes a regular commitment to growing in our Christian faith, doing what is right. What is best for us means regularly nurturing our relationships with others. What is best Your best for us includes being in a local church home and being active in that church family. What is best for us is being mindful to offer you praise because it is due, but also what is best for us includes taking our problems to you. Lord, this altar is open to any or all of those things. So Lord, I pray that as we Enter this invitation, this time when life change most often takes place. Lord, I pray that somebody's life will be changed by you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.